hurry up and finish eating. Use the blue Legos, not the red ones. Go to the garage and get my jump rope. Do you have a pint-sized boss calling all the shots in your home? Well, then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And thank you listeners for your support. It enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. If you're a homeschooling mom like me, then you know the excitement of peeling that protective film off a set of curricula, complete with brand new lesson plans. But as we all know, a week or so into those plans, life happens. Someone gets sick. Someone leaves their spelling book at the soccer field. Someone gets stuck on a math concept. And suddenly, those lesson plans are completely obsolete. This is one of the many reasons I'm excited to introduce you to the BJU Press Homeschool Hub. When life inevitably happens and our plans change, the Hub calendar makes any necessary assignment adjustments with just a few clicks of a mouse. But that's not all it can do. I can look at the Hub dashboard and quickly see how my kids have progressed through their courses, what assignments they need to finish, and how many lessons they have before each course is completed. There's also a grade book that will track graded assignments and create report cards. My favorite part is that I can keep track of our wonderful BJU press courses as well as any other outside resources. So I have one tool that keeps track of everything. It's almost like they asked a bunch of homeschoolers, hey, what's the most stressful part of homeschooling? And then they developed an awesome tool to alleviate those issues. Next, I hope they'll get to work on the housekeeping hub. To find out more about BJU Press Homeschool Hub, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and watch the video to learn more. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Well, Ginger, I think it's about time we addressed the issue of bossy kids because we've had a lot of questions related to this topic. So let's get going right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I have to admit that I've been putting these questions on the back burner for some time now, but it's just gotten to the point that I couldn't keep ignoring them. Because like you said, Katie, we've just gotten a lot of questions about kids being bossy and even kids actually trying to parent their siblings. But I do have good reason for dreading this topic. It's because I knew that I'd have to confess that I was the bossiest kid you could ever meet. (laughs) And there are some who might even tell you that I still have a bossy streak. I prefer to call it assertive leadership, but I would say those who know me well would probably call it something else. (laughs) I was born with a director's baton, and I've been leading the band ever since. I've mentioned before that I was a tomboy, so I grew up playing with all the boys in our neighborhood, and not one of them ever said to me, you're not the boss of me. Because frankly, we all knew that I was. (laughs) My poor brother, he was four years younger than me and probably the biggest victim of my bossiness. One time I actually rewrote the rules to Monopoly, which I thought were such an improvement that I renamed the game Genopoly. And my brother, Stephen, I I don't know why, but he never questioned the new rules, even when they uh, periodically changed in my favor. (laughs) 
when I started dating Katie, I bossed around all of my dates. I was always the one who chose where we would go eat and what movie we'd go see. And I was also the one who drove because I preferred my own car. At the end of the date, if I decided he could kiss me goodnight, I'd walk him to the door. And if not, I'd tell him to make sure that my car door shut completely when he got out. <laughs> Needless to say, most of my boyfriend's moms didn't like me. Okay, well, since you've already squashed the hopes and dreams of those parents who thought their bossy little ones would grow out of it, um, let's talk about what we can do <laughs> when we see our kids behaving in a bossy way toward others. Well, what we don't want to do is Google what to do. Oh, that's I was right. curious, uh, <laughs> as I've heard you so eloquently put it, Katie, what the World Wide Web of wackadoos would have that's to say it. about it. So mm -hmm. I made the mistake of Googling it. Oh, Google is a really dangerous place to go alone. I don't I know. recommend it. I know. It really is. Nowadays, I have about as much respect for answers on the internet as I do when I read experts say or studies show. Mm -hmm. I don't know. These last couple of years have just made me uh, an even bigger skeptic than I was. <laughs> but I was curious as to what a Google search would have to say about bossy kids. And the top two pieces of advice I found, and I'm sure you're all going to be shocked to hear that they both fly in the face of God's word, were to one, tell the child that they won't have any friends if they're bossy because no one likes to be around bossy people. And two, if the bossiness is competitive in nature, like if the kids are playing a game or uh, and one's being bossy, just redirect them to do something else. Well, mm -hmm. the first one isn't even true. I had plenty of friends growing up who were perfectly willing to be bossed around by me. I don't know why, but they were. That's funny, Ginger, because I had my laptop out working on this episode, and my husband asked what I was doing. And when I told him I was working on an episode about bossy kids, he goes, hmm, interesting. Just like that. <laughs> That's hilarious, Katie, because mine said the same thing. Except he added, I'm looking forward to hearing that episode, especially if you're going to tell how to nip it in the bud. <laughs> I told him to be quiet because I was working. Go make me some coffee. <laughs> Anyway, the problem with telling kids that people won't like them or uh, won't want to be their friend if they're bossy might be true sometimes, but it encourages a wrong motive. Mm. Friends are not for the purpose of selfish gain. And as children of God, the goal is not to be liked, but to be like Jesus. Okay, full disclosure, Ginger, I've maybe, probably, perhaps said this <laughs> in so many words to one of my children who has a tendency to take charge and tell others what they need to be doing. But I honestly never thought about the fact that framing their friendships in this way really does instill in them a fear of man type of thinking. So in other words, I'm encouraging this child to think primarily of how they will be viewed by others rather than how they can serve others. So, you know, let me look. We're five minutes into this show and I already stink at this. <laughs> so Ginger, tell us about that other piece of bad advice. I mean, if you want to. I'm, I'm not the boss of you. Do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> I can already tell how this is going to go. I know. <laughs> All right. So the second piece of bad advice, uh, which was just to redirect them to do something else, that doesn't line up with God's commands for parents to train and instruct their children. Ephesians 6, 4 says that we are to bring our children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. To redirect a teachable moment is to miss a teachable moment. Mm. When parents fail to teach, children fail to learn, or they may wind up learning the wrong advice from the wrong people. One thing we want to keep in mind is that there are strengths and weaknesses to God-given talents. Bossy kids are typically natural leaders, but they are typically not natural servers. The goal is to help them tap into that God-given skill of leadership in ways that honor God and respect others, while also helping them um, understand the, uh, how to strengthen the weaknesses that often accompany that leadership skill. 
Okay, I love what you just said, Ginger. To redirect a teachable moment is to miss a teachable moment. That is so true. And we often do that for our own sake rather than for the sake of our kids. I have to say that my husband, Brian, does a really great job of taking this approach with our child who is a more natural leader. I've heard him coach this child on many occasions about leadership lessons of Jesus. So rather than telling our child that no one will want to be around a person who's a bossy dictator, which I've already confessed has sometimes been my approach in the past, (laughs) uh, my husband instead will encourage servant leadership and then offer some examples of how to do that. It almost seems like Brian has had some experience dealing with bossy people. I don't know. Maybe. Actually, Katie, I'm just now realizing that it's an absolute miracle that you and I have never tied up as bossy as we both are. Honestly, I mean, correction, as leadership-oriented as we both are. Yeah, that's it. We'll go with that. (laughs) If anyone has ever questioned God's grace working in the hearts of sinful people, our friendship and partnering with this podcast is a shining example. It's a common struggle for natural leaders to struggle with wanting to do things on their own, but when they aren't willing to humble themselves by considering that someone else might have a better way, that strength of leadership begins to morph into the sin of self-centeredness and pride. Mm. So our goal in parenting bossy kids is to help them learn how to utilize the God-given strength of leadership while depending on Jesus to work through the weakness of self-centeredness and pride. When we have the right perspective of bossy children, we'll have the right approach in helping them live in their natural talents and abilities for God's glory. So we want to have the perspective that bossy kids are budding leaders who need to grow in servanthood. They are future leaders with untrained leadership skills. It's also common for someone who is leadership-oriented to struggle with serving because serving doesn't come naturally or doesn't come as naturally to them as leading. But that doesn't mean that they should not serve others. It just means that they're going to need parents to point them to Jesus to help them in their weakness and to learn to serve using those leadership skills at the same time. Jesus is our strength and weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says that by His grace, His power is made perfect in our weakness. When we are weak, He is strong. Mm. Ginger, I agree that it's only natural for a child who is oriented toward leadership to struggle with bossiness and self-centeredness. This is evident, I think, even in the apparel and home decor we find all throughout our culture that celebrates bossiness. Mm. I've seen this phrase plastered on wall hangings, coffee mugs, t-shirts, and even children's apparel. It says, I'm not bossy. I just have better ideas. Here's here's another one I found. I'm not bossy. I'm aggressively helpful. (laughs) And then (laughs) this one says, I'm not bossy. I am the boss. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Or how about the his and her Mr. and Mrs. coffee mugs that, I have to confess, I just bought for my daughter and her fiancé, which I was saving as a shower gift, but will promptly send back now that you've completely ruined it. So thank you for that, Katie. You're welcome. Uh, The coffee mugs say, Mr. Right and Mrs. Always Right. Mm -hmm. Apparently, yeah, apparently the apple doesn't fall far from the tree when it comes to bossiness. (laughs) But I will say Alex is way better at reining it in than I am. I've watched her grow so much in the grace of depending on God to use her leadership skills with humility and in ways that really honor God and serve others. Her example uh, these last several years has just been such a great encouragement to me. So to-do list for tomorrow, return mugs. There you go. (laughs) Well, you know, these little slogans, they are funny in a way, and I'm sure we've all laughed at them when we read them on a coaster in a gas station or whatever. Uh, But the real issue here, I think, is that encouraging this kind of behavior in our children by literally having them wear it, plastering it on them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It it makes light of sinful pride, arrogance, and selfishness. Mm -hmm. And making light of it 
is really only going to make it more difficult for us to help our children have victory over these sins mm-hmm. in their lives. Yeah. So now that we've established how we as parents, even Christian parents, can sometimes get this very wrong, how can we help our little executive directors strengthen their weaknesses? <laughs> Well, as I just mentioned, most children who are strong in leading often struggle with serving. Mm -hmm. But whether leadership-oriented or not, all Christians are called to serve, just as Jesus served. We're told in Matthew 20, 28, that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And we're to follow that example that he set for us. So we want to talk to our children about God's command to serve and help them learn Bible verses about it, like Galatians 5, 13, uh, where we're told to serve one another humbly in love. Hmm. Well, the one verse I hung in my bedroom my senior year in high school was Philippians 2, 3 through 4, and it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That is still a verse that just cuts me to the core because it really is not my instinct or my nature to consider the interests of others before my own interests. Well, I don't think it's it's not the nature of anyone. We're all selfish in nature. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of scripture, we are all about practical application of scripture on our podcast. What are some ways we can teach our leadership-oriented kids not to be just hearers of God's word, but doers when it comes to serving others? We can have them practice serving on a daily basis. One effective way to do that is to get together as a family and come up with ideas for siblings, um, ways that they can serve one another. It could be things as simple as opening a door for brother to go into a room first or offering to let sister sit in the front seat, even though it's not her turn, or maybe even completing a chore for the other. And it might be fun for everyone to help contribute lots of ideas and maybe write them down and put them in a jar. And then each morning at breakfast time, um, have everyone pick one out of the jar, pick one of those acts of service, and then maybe say that you have until dinner to do that. And then maybe at night, while you're sitting around the dinner table, talk about what act of service they did that that day. Okay, Ginger, not to correct you or anything, but you talked about, you know, kids getting to choose who gets to sit up front. Uh, The safety standards have changed a bit since your kids were young. Back in the (laughs) 80s and 90s, you know, we could sit backwards in the trunk of a station wagon or up in the back windshield of the car like a cat. I mean, nobody cared. (laughs) But the recommendation now is that children should be safely buckled in the backseat of the car until they're 13. So now they just get to argue about who gets to sit in which seat in the back of the car or what they get to watch while they're in the car. Some things don't change, but, you know, the safety standards definitely have. (laughs) Yeah, yep. But as you said, the goal is to teach natural leaders to lead and serve. What is another way we can do that? We can teach them to respect the opinions and preferences of others. If the bossy child tells their friend that they should go down the slide with them on the playground, but the friend says, no, I don't want to go down the slide, the bossy child should be taught to respect that their friend is entitled to their own opinion and preference. A servant's response would not be to stomp off in protest of not getting their way. A servant is willing to lay down their own interests for the interests of others, which is the greatest act of love there is. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, there's nothing wrong with a child asking a friend to go down the slide, but they should be taught to accept no as an answer, again, out of respect for their friend's opinion and preference. You might help them understand by pulling them off to the side and just saying something like, sweetheart, it's fine for you to ask your friend to go down the slide and to play a certain game, but you need to accept when she says no, because that's how you show respect for her. Also, God calls us to serve others, not demand that they serve us. Mm. How can you show love by serving your friend today? 
And, you know, if you get that old shoulder shrug, you might suggest that the child ask the friend what she would like to do. I really like that question. How can you show love by serving your friends or your brother or sister today? I'm going to keep that one in my hip pocket because as a sinful person, again, my instinct is to want to tell my child to quit being so bossy. And I'm convicted of this often. What we need to remember as parents or realize for the first time is that the labels we give our children are often permanent. Mm -hmm. That becomes the language they speak to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I bet we can ask any adult of any age what their parents thought of them. And they will have vivid memories of what their parents said or did to communicate their feelings toward that child. So instead of labeling or humiliating our children, we can ask a heart-probing question like, how can you show love by serving others today? That is so good, Ginger. And it really, it does the same thing that we're trying to achieve when we say stop being bossy, but it does it in a God-honoring way and Mm -hmm. like Christ. So uh, it's very biblical when we look at the life of Christ and how he interacted with others. Now, what if your child is the one who is being bossed around? Some of us have both in our house. (laughs) So let's make this really awkward and complicated just for fun. Let's say that you're on the playground talking to a mom whose kid is bossing your kid around and she's not doing anything about it. What if her child has the whole, it's my way or the highway mentality and your child is allowing that friend to boss them around? How can you intervene and stand up for your child without offending that mom? Well, bossiness becomes bullying when the bossy child is not willing to both lead and serve. So a child who yells, I'm not going to play with you unless you play what I want, is using manipulation as a means to control. We want to teach our kids how to respond to manipulation the same way Jesus did. There were many times throughout Scripture when people tried to manipulate Jesus into complying with their rules. And Jesus was always wise. He knew how to turn the tables on them. Also, when our kids are being bossed around or bullied by a peer, it's hard not to respond by correcting the other child (laughs) because that mama bear claws come out. But parenting someone else's child is not our responsibility and is probably not going to go over well with the child's mom. Would it not, though? I think most people are totally (laughs) chill and open to parenting feedback, right? Aren't they? Yeah. I think offering unsolicited parenting advice is about as well received as offering an animal rights activist a mink coat. You're probably right. (laughs) So (laughs) in the situation on the playground, you could encourage your child who is being bossed around to respond kindly, but also assertively. And, you know, if they don't know how to do that, it's okay to put the words in their mouths when they don't know how to rightly respond. Mm. So you might encourage your child to say something to their friend like, I like playing with you. But I want to choose what we play sometimes. How about we take turns? Mm. If the bossy child is not willing to both lead and serve, it's probably best for your child to walk away. You know, it might be time to go home from the playground. When Jesus tried to reason with people and they were blinded by pride and refused to look at their own heart, there are two things that Jesus did not do. He did not argue with them and he did not comply. Instead, he walked away. Mm. Okay, well, one thing we've talked about before to help children learn how to handle situations the right way is to role play when we're at home. So you play your child and then let the child play the boss so that you can model a good response for your child. Yes, that's good that you uh, reminded us of that, Katie. Role playing is always a good idea because most kids learn best by practicing. That's right. Okay, next, what about kids who try to parent their own siblings? There needs to be a clear line between the ranks. 
The Bible says that parents are to be the authority over their children, not siblings. The Bible commands children to obey their parents. It does not command children to obey their siblings. So when you see one sibling bossing the other, you might say something like, sweetheart, did God create you to have authority over your brother? No, honey, he didn't. You are taking on a role and a responsibility that is not yours to take. God created your dad and me to have authority over your brother, not you. You are the sister, not the parent. So your role is to edify and encourage your brother not to tell him what to do. It's important that bossy children understand that when they try to step into the role of parenting, it disrupts God's perfectly designed balance for the family, and it causes tension and disharmony in sibling relationships. The bossy child needs to learn to live in their God-given role of encouraging instead of commanding. So if you hear your daughter say, you put that cookie back in the pantry right now. (laughs) Ask her if she could have said that in a way that encourages without taking authority that isn't hers to take. If she can't think of a better way to say it because she's so in the habit of being bossy, you can make a suggestion for um, something like, mom said we aren't allowed to have cookies until after dinner. I encourage you to obey and to put that back because I don't want you to get in trouble. Can you hear the difference? The first statement was an authoritative command, while the other was a loving encouragement to do what's right. Mm -hmm. When siblings encourage each other, they cultivate unity in their relationship because it's operating the way that God intends. And another thing, don't expect bossy kids to learn this on their own, and don't expect them to automatically have it once you start correcting them and encouraging them to reword bossy statements. Mm. It's going to take a lot of consistent parental intervention and a lot of practice on their parts. But the more often you are willing to take the time to have them reword bossy statements to be encouraging statements, the sooner encouraging statements will become more of a habit for them. Bad habits are broken by replacing them with good habits. Could I say something here, Ginger? Yeah. So we get lots of listener questions, which we absolutely love. And oftentimes I'll see that we get emails from parents whose kids are four, five, six-year-old, and uh, they'll say things like, my child's just continuing to do this. It's a habit. And I think what you're trying to say here, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it's going to take many, many years <laughs> to mm-hmm. undo some of these things that are just inborn, that are habitual. Um, you know, And especially in these young kids, they need constant coaching. And even once they get into the upper years, middle school, high school, they're still going to need that consistent, loving coaching from their parents. Less and less, hopefully, as they go. But, you know, four, five, six years old is quite young to expect victory over, you know, something as, as pervasive as bossiness can be. That's right. Especially the more in the habit they are of being bossy, it's it's probably going to take longer than we might think. But we just Mm -hmm. always need to be willing to step in every time they're bossy. Step in. How can you reword that, honey, that would be encouraging? How can you encourage your brother instead of bossing your brother? And, you know, again, the more often we're willing to step in and require them to practice what's right, the more... Uh, they're going to naturally start responding the right way on their own. But yes, it takes practice, practice, and more practice, just like many things. Mm-hmm. Years of Years. practice. <laughs> That's right. Now, I do want to say that when it comes to parents instructing their kids, some parents have a misunderstanding of bossiness because they don't want to have bossy kids. They don't want to come across as being bossy parents. They convince themselves that that's setting a bad example. And some mm. even view instructing their kids as being rude to their kids. So instead of giving clear and direct commands, parents will ask questions like, honey, 
would you like to go put your shoes on before we leave for church? But see, that can cause confusion as to who's in charge, and it compromises the child's call to obey their parents. The fact is, we are the boss of our kids Mm -hmm. because God has placed us as the authority over them. Even instructions such as, I'd like for you to go put your shoes on before we leave for church can be too vague and cause confusion in some children. That is absolutely true. I have two children who do not understand vague instructions. And I'm naturally non-confrontational, even with my kids. As bossy as I am, you and I both share this, Ginger. Mm -hmm. We can be bossy, but also non-confrontational, which is a weird combination. It it is, now that I think about it, but we are both that way. Yep. But I find myself... bossy peacemakers. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, that might be it. Bossy (laughs) peacemakers. So I find myself saying, you know, I would prefer that you not eat any more candy right now. And two of my children, the two who would do well at finding legal loopholes, they would say something like, so you prefer that we not eat any more candy (laughs) right now. Does that mean we can have candy in 10 minutes? So I really do have to be more direct than I usually am naturally to be very clear to these two budding attorneys living in my house. (laughs) And I'd have to say something like, you will not have any more candy today and let's talk about it tomorrow. But you best believe I'll be awakened at 7 a.m. with candy wrappers rustling you know, in my <laughs> ear. And, to say, yeah. and I'll be peppered with questions. I have to be really <laughs> explicit and clear with those kids. So, you know, telling them, go get your shoes on now is sometimes necessary. Because if I tell them they need to do it before we leave for church, it's still too vague. Mm, but, yeah. and this is where I sometimes get it wrong. I don't have to say even a direct command in an unkind tone of voice. I think our tone as parents is so crucial, even maybe more so than what we're saying, how we're saying it Mm, conveys a lot. Yes, absolutely. That is a great point, Katie. Direct commands are often necessary, very necessary, especially for young children when we need to be clear and there doesn't need to be any question as to what we are telling them to do. That that erases that gray area of are they obeying or are they disobeying when we issue those clear commands. But direct commands can still be given with a gentle tone of voice, and, as, and they're supposed to be given with a gentle tone of voice according to the Word of God. Right. And I've mentioned this before on the show, but I, I think it was the Raising Boys and Girls podcast, which I really enjoy, mm-hmm. but they encouraged parents to stand in front of the mirror and say something as if you're saying it to your child. And try to really hear your tone of voice, look at your facial expressions. It's it's a sobering exercise to do. Yeah, that's um, a I, good idea. Yeah, I encourage parents to do that. So we can all understand, Ginger, that siblings shouldn't be allowed to parent one another. What about, though, older siblings, babysitting younger, younger siblings? I know we probably have many listeners with very large families where the older kids are given that responsibility to care for their younger siblings. Yeah, and that's understandable. That can be, you know, convenient on many levels. Older siblings occasionally taking on the responsibility to care for and look after their younger siblings, you know, definitely can benefit the whole family, especially larger families, as long as it's not violating the way God structured the family to operate. So one word of caution is to not place the responsibility of discipline on the older sibling. God says that parents are to discipline their children not siblings. Mm. To require a sibling to bear a responsibility that is not theirs to bear can be exasperating for them, and it's not God's design as far as the structure and order of the family. When God's design is disrupted, it causes imbalance and disharmony in the relationship, and it could lead to resentment in both siblings. I actually met somebody this past weekend that was telling me um, that she was often responsible for parenting and disciplining her younger sibling, and there was a little bit of resentment there because she wanted 
wanted to just get to be the older sister, but she was forced to be the parent. Mm. And it, it really caused some strain in, in that sibling relationship. Older siblings, you know, can still care for the younger siblings uh, by leading and guiding and encouraging, uh, but under normal circumstances, and if at all possible, they should not carry the weight of discipline. Mm. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say that siblings should parent or discipline one another. Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents, and today's quick tip is courtesy of Corina in California. Here's what she says. If you have a cut, really any kind, Vicks Vapor Rub heals what? everything. Yeah, heals everything quickly. And no, it does not burn. I oh. put it on my hands when I get blisters from pull-ups. And then she says, I'm a face picker. I know it's awful, but it heals overnight. I would have never thought that that wouldn't burn. That is absolutely news to me. I thought for sure, too, mm-hmm. that it would burn. But I'm going to have to give that a try next time. My kids get blisters on their hands. Uh, they go to a ninja class, and they get blisters on their hands pretty badly. So thank you for that tip, Karina. And Ginger, it's almost a Vaseline tip, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> always back to the Vaseline. <laughs> always. Always. It's my favorite. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Before we leave you with a final word of encouragement, we just want to remind our listeners that Ginger and I will be speaking at two events that are right around the corner. First, we'll be at Teach Them Diligently, May 5th through 7th in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And that event has generously offered a discount code to our listeners. Just go to teachthemdiligently.net and use the code GINGER to receive a $30 discount on your ticket price. Then just a few weeks later, on May 26th through 28th, Katie and I will be in Orlando, Florida with FPEA. That is the Florida Parent Educators Association. And we are both stoked and, to be a little bit honest, nervous, because at this <laughs> event, we're going to be recording one of our podcasts before a live audience, which is a little dangerous for Katie and me. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to be answering some parenting questions, so we'll see how that goes. But we do hope you guys will join us at one of these events, because we would love to get to know you guys. Uh, when Katie and I are not speaking, we will both be at the booth with plenty of time to chat. And we all know how Katie likes to exercise her gift of gab. That's right. I also love to sign Ginger's books with my name. That makes me really happy. (laughs) That was funny. She actually did that. I really did. (laughs) I love it. We'll put links to both of these events in our show notes. So Ginger, how about you close us out with a final word of encouragement for parents with bossy kids and hurry up. (laughs) I just every opportunity. I I know. I know. I was waiting for it again. (laughs) Let's help our bossy children recognize and utilize their God-given talents for leadership by helping them understand the strengths and weaknesses that typically accompany that talent. Let's teach them how to depend on Jesus to help them use that natural ability to lead in ways that will serve others and bring glory to God. Well, thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. 
While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a Corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a Corner. Ginger and I would love to lead a women's event at your church. We offer a one or a two-day conference. If your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.